The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Seven minutes after 10 a.m. Good morning. Thank you so much for staying with us. If you just joined us, you're listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. It's an honor and a pleasure being in your company. I'm with you all the way up until 12 noon today. In this hour, we're going to be talking about R&D investment. Uh, the Human Sciences Research Council, uh, they published a survey, uh, the South African National Survey of Research and Experimental Development, which interesting data uh, coming out of there telling us that research and, ex- uh, and, and development investment remains steady uh, despite the corruptions of COVID-19 during the pandemic. But it reveals that the business sector reported the largest decrease in R&D expenditure they dropped by 657 million rand. And then the second biggest drop was followed by higher education in the science council sectors. They dropped by 393 million and 296 million respectively. Um, and we had this conversation in part with the Director General of Science and Innova- Science Technology and Innovation last year when we were at the World Science at the pre-launch of the World Science Forum in Cape Town. I don't know if you recall that conversation uh, that we brought to you from there. Um, and we spoke about R and D investment and R and D development and why there's a need for that to be increased. Um, and, and and we spoke about the technicalities thereof. Taking that conversation forward for us today is Dr. Nazim Mustafa who's the Chief Research Specialist in the Center for Science, Technology, and Innovation Indicators at the Human Science Research Council. Dr. Mustafa, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Oliver, and thank you for this opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Before we get into the details of the survey, we're going to have to do some fundamental, rudimentary groundwork here. R&D, why is it important? Okay, R&D has become more and more important even in developing economies. The developed economies have been very successful in terms of their economic growth and um, success generally in um, business and in also providing uh, modern and innovative solutions for their society and uh, businesses in general through the use of R&D. So R&D has become a key driver actually of economic growth and many people and many governments have um, put R&D central to their development strategies. I mean, a case in point really is China, which has, as we've all seen over the last 20 years, become the major growing economy in the world. And a lot of that growth has been centered on innovation and specifically R&D. So R&D actually is the activity that promotes the possibility for innovation and innovation is central in economic growth. Can you draw that link for us, uh, the, 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 the causal link between R&D and economic growth? How, 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 what's the, how does it go? How does an investment into R&D grow an economy? Yeah, so we have three types of R&D. Right? The first is um, basic research, which is the research that you can think of as being done in universities. So that's research that is done with no uh, goal, really. Um, no actual product or process in sight. And then the second type of R&D is applied research. And this is uh, R&D which is done with a specific goal. And then the third one is uh, experimental development, which is geared towards producing new and innovative products. And 
the production of new and innovative products allows for um, well, countries and also for societies to be able to um, be more productive with the same amount of inputs. So it's really the uh, spin-off that you get from being creative. And um, R&D uh, is known to be the activity that gives you the most uh, creative solutions ultimately when it comes to these innovation products. Mm -hmm. do you, do, is there at all literature and data mm -hmm. that um, can indicate to us whether what the RAND dividend effect would be on the economy brand for every one rand invested into R&D, what is the economic output thereof? Is there any such data? Yeah, there is. Um, so this is a problem that has been looked at uh, for many years now and in many different contexts in different countries. And there have been studies comparing uh, different countries and the use of R&D, linking it to GDP growth. And uh, many of them find that there is a definite correlation between uh, R&D activity and uh, value-added growth uh, with a lag period, of course, uh, because the R&D only impacts on economic growth years later once the products or processes that have been developed hit the, um, hit the uh, economy. And those studies have also been done in South Africa and the ones that I'm aware of have shown that there is definitely a, a positive spin-off effect to producing, uh, about to conducting R&D mm. on your GDP growth. So yeah, the the link is there definitely. It's been, I mean, it's a belief, but and uh, it's not, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a universally held belief, but definitely there's a lot of evidence for that. I think the consensus really is that it does actually mm. promote economic growth. Mm, mm. Let's talk about South Africa's R&D investment historically. Let's let's take a 20-year view on this. How have we done over the last 20 years? Well, the last 20 years have been interesting. Right? So we at the Center for Science, Technology and Innovation Indicators at the HSRC, we've been doing this survey for, well, for more than 20 years now. And when we look at the trends, um, Maybe I can focus on the business sector for one because that's often the most important sector and certainly the most interesting. Mm. In the early parts of the new millennium, uh, we were conducting R&D activity in the business sector at a relatively high level compared to, say, developed countries. You know, So we were very similar to many developed countries in the level of business R&D that we were doing. But uh, over the last 20 years, that has been steadily in decline. And I think a watershed moment also was 2009 when the um, financial crisis, I don't know if you remember the real estate yeah, collapse, yeah. et cetera, yes. And that actually um, was combined with some decisions within our local sector, which uh, resulted in some R&D, some major R&D project being shut down. And that created quite a big dip in our business R&D expenditure. And it hasn't actually come back. Uh, so it's always been on the decline. Well, ever since I think midway through um, the beginning of the first millennium, we've had a decline in our business sector. But the other um, big uh, funder and um, area in which we perform R&D is, of course, the public sector. And that includes high, university, high education universities, uh, mm. science councils, government sector, as well as the state-owned enterprises within the business sector 
uh, could be classified as the public sector. And generally speaking, government had been able to keep up growth in uh, expenditures on R&D over much of the last 20 years. But then recently, I think the uh, downturn in the economy, which has been coming for more than 10 years now since the financial crisis, I think that might have impacted on government's ability to fund mm. um, activities generally across the whole sector. And of course, that would also then have an impact on the funding uh, that the DSI allocates to its various organizations. And I think recently, in the last few years, maybe um, three or four years, maybe even five years, we've seen the impact of the cuts in government expenditures um, through uh, you know, a slight decline of those uh, public sector organizations. Moreover, uh, with the COVID COVID epidemic, uh, that created a a further uh, decline in R&D expenditure because a lot of businesses, and I include also the public sector, they shut down many of the operations. So that resulted in a big decline in our overall R&D expenditures. In rand terms, how much is the government uh, investing in R&D? Oh, um, I'll have to look that up, but uh, I can tell you it's around um, uh, the government sector. In the government funds around eighteen, let's say nineteen um, uh, billion rand. Oh wow! Yeah, per, that's, that's right. per that's per annum. Yeah, that's every year. And and, and that and the, and the private sector the amount that goes. Yeah. Okay. So the private sector um, funds. Uh, um, well, uh, well, let me say the business sector funds around uh, nine billion, and that includes also the state-owned enterprises. Right. Um, we shouldn't leave out the foreign funding of R&D, which is about half that of what the business um, sector funds, and that's quite a significant source of funding because essentially that is free funding mm-hmm. of R&D because it's the funding that we are, as a society don't have to pay for and that's been um, steady mm-hmm. uh, over the last few years given the turbulent circumstances within the world in which the world finds itself. So we're looking at about 28 billion rand collectively in R&D investment in South Africa. Well, in, you know, well, in terms of investment uh, in total, um, it would be around uh, 26, yeah, I would say. About to 26, 26 billion. billion okay, yeah. yeah. You mentioned that... That's twi- in real. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that uh, 20 years ago, our R&D uh, expenditure and investment was comparable to that of other developed of developed countries, and now not yeah. so much. How do we fare um, against economies of our size? Economies of our size, uh, that's actually not an easy question to answer, and it's something that um, people have looked at um, over many years, and really there's no definitive answer, because our every economy is very different. You know, they might have you know, general similarities, but every economy is different, and the types of R&D that we do, um, we might be very good at a particular area of R&D that another country isn't. You know, so and and the and the funding right. allocated to those areas would vary differently. But then, if you look at um, countries which historically perhaps have, let's say, a similar trajectory as South Africa, in in my opinion, I think we can look at perhaps some of the 
uh, Eastern European countries, you know, and then also some of the uh, smaller Western European countries and then Latin American countries like, let's say, Argentina and so on. Um, And I think generally, uh, you know, we have performed in a very similar fashion. Uh, Of course, we can always do better. Mm. But really, the levels of um, funding and the levels of R&D activity is is quite low, and we definitely need to invest more so that we are able to reap the benefits of R&D, ultimately. So that's where we are, really, and we really need to find some way of increasing the amount that we, first of all, fund um, towards R&D, and then also the amount that we spend in R&D, and that means we need to create more R&D projects um, that would ultimately be the solution. It also means we need more researchers. Do we have enough? Absolutely. That is actually the key. You know, so the most important thing really is to have the number of researchers increase because it does not matter if you spend money uh, on R&D and if you increase that funding to uh, whatever levels you want to fund it, if there aren't any capable people who are able to, first of all, produce the new knowledge and secondly, also to absorb new knowledge from overseas. Because the... Um, well, what's been you know, one aspect, one way that you can actually improve your performance in innovation is to uh, get foreign directed investment mm. from firms that do R&D you know, and get them possibly even to locate in this country if we can get them to locate. That's not going to be to our advantage unless we have a local uh, ecosystem of researchers that are able to absorb the new learnings and if the new learnings can take place and mm. the technologies can get transferred uh, to our local uh, innovation system. And currently, um, the number of researchers that we have is probably a little bit too low. In fact, it is a little bit too low when you compare them to the more advanced or the more developed countries. And that's really at the core of it. And that's where it starts. If we produce more scientists and engineers and also better ones, of course, then that is the greatest advantage that we can have as a country for, first of all, attracting uh, foreign investment in R&D and also to grow our own uh, skills and grow our own products that are uh, relative to our own context. Is research an attractive career path at the moment in uh, South Africa? Well, for me, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's, it depends upon where you find yourself. I mean, most researchers find themselves as academics in universities yeah. or science councils. But there is also a core of researchers that are required in the business sector um, that do uh, research in, um, well, in applied research, essentially, or experimental research. And I'm not so sure if that is perhaps as well known to, let's say, the young people that passed last year, uh, last week. You know, we had a very good pass rate, I think around 80 percent. I'm not sure if, you know, that is something that's on the horizon, you know, so... Um, I, I don't know. That's a really interesting question, which I'm not really able to answer. Certainly, what the numbers have shown us in the trends over the last 20 years is that the proportion of researchers in our society relative to the number of people that we have employed has been pretty much the same. And it's like around, um, it's like around uh, 
uh, two is around two or three people for every thousand people right, in right, social right. employment. So when I studied science, I, I studied chemistry, research was definitely not an attractive career path for me. I'll tell you why. It's incredibly. Com- mm-hmm. I thought it to be incredibly competitive. Uh, to stay in the university space, you're fighting for grant funding, um, oh, and yeah. may the best proposal win is sort of the the mantra that goes around there. Uh, or I could have went and worked at Unilever in product development labs, doing some level of research and and development over there. But that too also wasn't a uh, an attractive mm-hmm. career prospect wise, because there are other places where I could apply my trade and make more money. Um, that's yeah. why I asked you: Is it an attractive? Are we are we paying researchers enough? Is effectively what I wanted to answer you. Are we making it easier <laughs> for them to access grant funding? Okay, so I think for me certainly, and my, I mean personally, I think what uh, motivated me to do research was a love for the topic. So at the time, I was interested in um, well, it was mathematical physics actually, and, and I had love for it. You know, and I think those people who end up as academics, a large proportion of them would really, you know, be doing it because of that curiosity factor, mm. because of the love, because of the passion, because of you know that. Yeah, they say it's a calling. Want to do <laughs> it's, a, it's almost a calling. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the realities though are that you do also want to be able to provide for yourself and family mm. and so on. And those are decisions that the young guys that you know left school last year will probably have to face. Yeah. And I mean that's that's entirely a personal decision. Now, whether we pay our researchers enough, well, what what is enough? You know. So at the one level, when we compare ourselves to other countries, I think our data shows that we are on a reasonable par with other countries. It mm. really depends upon the field that you are in and it depends upon the sector that you find yourself right, in. Right, right. So, so uh, to that, to that, can I then ask this, and this is an important question. Are we investing in the right areas as far as R&D is concerned? Are we investing in the right research and development or are we investing in the wrong research and development that doesn't necessarily speak to our local needs? Well, that's the $6 million question, I think. So that question has got several components. So the first component is what are our needs? I do think that you hit the nail on the head that the best research that we as a country can do is the research that are specific to our own context. And it would be the problems that we have that we want to solve. And maybe um, historically we've tended to do research that's been on a kind of international agenda, if we can put it that way, but perhaps more focused towards the developed and sort of higher end, economically um, higher end uh, parts of our uh, country. And there's certainly a drive from our government to try and look at solutions for, um, for, for the whole of South Africa, for all of its people. And I say that's fair enough. Uh, now the question is, if we have identified the areas within which um, we would like to focus, and really that's a decision and a problem that needs to be solved by the policymakers. And um, once we've identified that, then certainly what we need to do is we need to have a concerted effort from all of us as researchers to kick in and try and yeah. you know, try and focus our attentions on that. So the government has... Is the NDP not clear enough on what the roadmap is? Well, the NDP is clear enough on the overall targets, yes, and it does have a developmental focus. 
the DSI is uh, responsible for science. That's the Department of Science and Innovation. And uh, they have put together a new white paper on science and technology, which um, has been um, trans well, it's, it's been um, put into action through a 10-year decadal plan, which has recently been um, finalized. So it may even just be in the final phases of finalization. And in it, they do identify areas of attention. Uh, they look at things like green R&D. They look at the SOE as a particular center of activity where we could actually promote uh, development of capabilities in in science and technology. And then there are other areas where um, we have traditionally been um, advantage as a country. The um, one area where we are also unique in South Africa is in terms of um, our biodiversity and the potential mm -hmm. for bioeconomy um, as a strategy. Uh, of course, everybody um, is also looking at environmental uh, issues, you know, and solutions towards the environmental challenges that we face. We also have a fairly good and, you know, very high tech um, space science program. You know, uh, we've got the SKA, the SKA project, pretty yeah. much launched here, you know, and we've got a core of researchers that are very skilled and very capable in space sciences and astronomy and so on. So all of these things have been looked at by the policymakers and in the decadal plan it's set out which are the areas of attention that we need to look at in the context of, of generally providing um, a strategy which promotes uh, reindustrialization or industrialization. Mm. If you had a magic wand, Dr. Mustafa, uh, and you could wave it to increase R&D expenditure and investment, uh, how much would be a figure that would make you sleep well at night? <laughs> um, how much? I'd say double um, we are right now. Um, but then also the composition of that would be important. Uh, it would have to be based on having more R&D projects. So we would have to actually have more research teams, uh, more clever people. And it doesn't have to be only scientists and engineers, but uh, diverse teams uh, looking at big problems. Do you think you know, we have enough multidisciplinary and cross-discipline uh, research projects? I can't answer that question, but I certainly would say that that's really where you want to focus your attention because it's in the cross-disciplinary uh, activities and in the projects where you get the um, creative solutions or the new areas of, of innovation and big growth potential coming from. Certainly, I would say so, yes. Yeah. Dr. Mustafa, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. This has been incredibly insightful and make me a little bit hopeful for the future of research and development in South Africa. Well, thank you very much also for having me.